You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live out of the city of Jacksonville, Florida tonight. We'd like to thank everyone for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight. We look forward to uh got a action packed show. Hopefully, uh we're looking forward with Chuck Snow should be joining us here in just a few minutes. Uh Chuck, if you're on the line, press number one so we can get you screened in and get you logged in. Um but tonight we're gonna start off as we normally do here on the Rates and Lanes podcast and we're gonna jump directly over into the USDA fruit and vegetable report for this week. And this week's report is running a little bit behind. They hadn't uh, quite published the one that should be out right now. So this one's a little bit old, but we can still use it as a point of reference because some of the information that is on here from the research that I've been doing is still pretty accurate. Not much changes anyway. Um, Right now, there is an extreme shortage in eastern North Carolina for reefer trucks. Um, eastern North Carolina, there's a lot of shipping going on right now. There's a lot of harvesting and produce coming coming out of the fields uh, between watermelons, uh, sweet potatoes, and a few various other things. There's some blueberries and some other things that are coming off from up in that area. But right now, there's an extreme shortage. Uh, they need reefer trucks in that area right now. Uh, site shortages are going on right now in Central and South Florida, Charleston, Buford District, South Carolina, and West District, Florida. Now, these, the three places that I just listed off that's coming off this USDA report, uh, I advise you going in with a little bit of caution into those areas. They could be, um, could be drying up as we speak coming out of those areas. Uh, the other areas that you want to be of note that you want to be careful of, there are slight surpluses in these areas, the Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, San Luis Valley, Colorado, and central Wisconsin. There are all of those uh, territories and cities that I just listed off there. They have slight short, uh, slight, excuse me, slight surpluses in those areas. And the other areas that have outright surpluses um, there is still a, even though they may have some surpluses in there, I think that there's enough freight coming out of there right now from the stuff that I've been hearing. If anybody has heard anything different, I haven't been out there myself to actually put my toe in the water to know for sure. But lower Rio Grande Valley and Mexico crossing through uh, Texas, both of those areas, that's uh, Laredo, and the El Paso areas coming out of Texas right there. I think that they, even though they're showing on the USDA report that there, that there are surpluses in those areas, those areas, I think, have enough produce and stuff coming out of Mexico right now. It's, it's been kind of in flux to kind of support the truck traffic that is down in those areas. So with that said, let's jump over it. And we're going to jump right into this week's DAT trend line support. And 
and for the week of June 19th through the 25th, the national national average rates held steady for vans, reefers, and flatbeds last week. An increase in the load to truck ratio for vans and reefers indicates that a rate that the rates could rise this week. However, as the second quarter ends and the holiday weekend begins, it's kind of still up in the air. I believe that the rates are definitely going to be going up, especially going into a holiday weekend. So if you're working the spot market this week, uh, to today, tomorrow, and all through the weekend and the first part of next week, uh, I think that you will be doing yourself a disservice by giving any kind of discounts unless it's just, you know, hopefully you know your situation, but I think that you can get pretty good rates over the next couple of days. So without any further ado, let's jump over into the national van and demand capacity portion of the DAT trend lines report. Load to truck ratio rises by 3% uh, through June 19th through the 25th. The load to truck ratio rose 3% for vans last week, signaling seasonal strength at the end of the second quarter. The ratio increased from 2.7 up to 2.8 loads per truck the second highest level for the year to date. The national average van rate was unchanged week over week. Fuel prices, actually, for the, the national average fuel price remained unchanged as well. Uh, the national average diesel price st sitting steady at $2.43 per gallon right now on a national, the national average. Let's look and see how U.S. van rates were performing for the week of June 19th through the 25th. And the national average spot market rate for vans were unchanged compared to the previous week, holding steady at $1.61 per mile. Outbound rates rose in Los Angeles, Memphis, and Buffalo. Taking a look around the country to get some averages, starting off up in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checking in, showing an average rate on the spot market for dry vans at $1.56 per mile. We have Atlanta, Georgia kicking in, showing an average rate coming out of Atlanta on the spot market for dry vans at $1.94 per mile. Coming in out of the Midwestern portion of the United States, Chicago, Illinois, shows average rates out of that city at $1.85 per mile. Moving down into the South Central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, checks in, showing average rates at $1.57 per mile. And moving out to the West Coast, blazing, blazing the way forward. Rates coming out of Los Angeles showing $2.21 per mile on the uh, spot market for dry vans coming out of Los Angeles. That's very good uh, coming out of the West Coast right there. And I'm imagining that especially why those rates are so well out that way because of all of the produce action that is going on out there in that area as well. So like I said before on the previous show, once, uh, especially during these times of the year, when things are kind of balanced out, when you got reefers pulling primarily reefer freight, you're going to see an actual bump, should see a bump in your dry van rates because you have less competition when, when uh, reefers are pulling actual reefer freight and not just using it as a dry van. So you, uh, it actually helps out the dry van portion of uh, segment of the industry by helping the rates go up on the spot market. Moving over into flatbed, the flatbed demand and capacity report for the week of the 19th through the 25th. Flatbed load postings decreased by 7% and capacity decreased 4% last week. 
that caused the load to truck ratio to dip 3% down to 17.6 loads per truck. The national average flatbed rate was unchanged compared to the previous week. And we're going to jump over and see how flatbed rates were performing over the previous week. Flatbed rates held steady at $1.95 per mile as a national average last week. Rates were up in Fort Worth, Savannah, and Los Angeles. Taking a look around the country, leading the way out of the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Harrisburg checking in, showing average rates coming out of there at $3.01 per mile for flatbed on the spot market. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing flatbed spot market rates at $2.22 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, we have Rock Island, Illinois checking in, showing average rates of $2.37 per mile for flatbeds. Down in the south central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas checks in, showing average rates at $2.03 per mile. And moving over to the west coast, coming out of Phoenix, Arizona, spot market rates showing for flatbeds at $1.85 per mile. Jumping on over into the reefer demand and capacity report for the week of June 19th through the 25th. Reefer load postings decreased 1% and truck postings decreased 9% last week. That pushed the load to truck ratio up 9% from 5.3 to 5.8 loads per truck. The national average spot market rate for reefers were unchanged compared to the previous week. So let's take a look and see how the rates were performing overall on the spot market for reefers for the week of the 19th through the 25th. Reefer rates held steady at $1.96 per mile last week, unchanged from the previous week, and a 9% increase in the load truck ratio signaled that rates were likely to rise this week due to the end of the quarter and pre-holiday demand. Coming out of the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in, showing average spot market rate for reefers at $1.52 per mile. Down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Lakeland, Florida checking in, showing average rate at $1.62 per mile for reefers. Moving up into the midwestern portion of the United States, Green Bay, Wisconsin checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.43 per mile. And as usual, that's the high water mark coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Down into the Rio Grande, McAllen, Texas, the south central portion of the United States, showing average rates for reefers at $1.85 per mile on the spot market. And moving out west, Fresno, California, checks in, showing average reefer rates at $2.20 cents per mile coming out of the west coast portion of the United States. So we've checked off the USDA demand report, uh, fruit and vegetable report. We've checked off the DAT report. Let's jump into this week's bad and ugly broker report list. Uh, we missed out last week. We didn't have a podcast last week. My apologies on that. Um, we're trying to see if we can try to do some pre-recordings if we're unable, if schedule conflicts don't allow us to actually do the shows. We're still working on trying to work that out because we want to be able to try to bring this show to you 
on a consistent basis, week in and week out. Uh, so we're working to try to work out the kinks to actually make that a reality. Uh, but with no further ado, the bad broker report. Let's see. We have Tri-Game Game Logistics, LLC, and Olaf Trucking, LLC. MC number is 272-223. Tri-Grain Logistics out of Limon, Colorado, has $27,000 in unpaid carrier invoices reported to truckstop.com. They have a new bond that went active on 9-1-15, and their authority was reinstated on 9-3-15. Extreme risk. Carriers beware. All Freight Logistics, the next one on the list is All Freight Logistics, Inc. MC number is 458220. Over $9,000 in non-payment complaints reported to truckstop.com. JBJR Logistics, LLC is next up on the list. MC number 940932. FMCSA shows that the trust fund was canceled on 616. Over $22,000 in non-payment complaints reported to truckstop.com. Extreme risk. And I just made a fubu, ladies and gentlemen. I got a um, recording in my message. I didn't set the timing properly for the show, so everything that you're about to hear will not be recorded. So unfortunately, uh, the downloads, we're still going to do the show for an hour, uh, but we didn't set the timing right on the show in a rush when we did it, and we only set it up for 15 minutes. But no big deal, because we still got Chuck Snow coming on board, and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and, and hang out with you guys for an hour and do the show. So if you're here live, you're going to get some exclusive material. Transfreight United, going back into the Bad Broker Report, Transfreight United LLC, MC number is 946-226. Trust fund is set to cancel. 5416, over $66,000 in non-payment complaints reported to truckstop.com. Extreme risk is reported. So as you know, if you've been listening to the show for any time period, um, these are some of the things that we advise you to do that you should be doing. If you have your own authority and you're booking your freight, especially on the spot market, these are some of the things that you want to make sure that you're vetting your brokers. Don't just accept uh, just because they call you and, they, and you work out a great rate and everything else. Sometimes that, that great rate is setting you up for the kill because they know they're not going to pay you anyway. So make sure that you're doing your due diligence, that you are running your business like a business and not a hobby um, to, to protect yourself and insulate yourself from being uh, a victim of one of these uh, bad, bad brokers. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, no further ado, let's go and bring on, I call him the, our resident mentor, Let's get Mr. Chuck Snow up and on board with us. Chuck Snow, how are you doing, sir? We're doing well. How are you doing, Rico? I really can't complain. We woke up on the right side of the dirt, so I'm I'm happy to, <laughs> to still be among the living. It's <laughs> uh, a great way of looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chuck, it's, it's been it's been a little while since we touched bases. Uh, anything new that you guys got going on over at Traffics? Well, we're opening up a new office in uh, downtown Toronto, a new sales office. That's been keeping us pretty busy. We've been busy hiring some new talent. Um, things are going well. We've had we've been very, very busy 
um, you know, uh, touch wood, it's nice to see. Everything is moving along nicely. Freight is moving. Um, you know, loads are coming in. Uh, it's just the way it should be. We're getting rewarded for all of our hard work. You know, you in in our businesses, we go out and we look for customers, and it takes a lot of work, and then you get those customers, and then those customers get to know you, trust you, and love you, and they give you more and more work, and that's how you do it. And we've been doing it for a long time. And, uh, and you know, the game gets tighter because people are asking for more and more Besides for moving the freight from point A to point B, uh, they want reporting. It's not as easy as it used to be. It's like they want up to the up to the second reporting of where their freight is, even though a lot of our work, not all of it, but a lot of our work is cross-border, and we can't do anything until that uh, customer's custom broker does his thing and gets the load cleared. So it's kind of frustrating. We're kind of the monkey in the middle quite often. And the customer's saying, well, what's going on? Why aren't you moving on this load? We can't get across the border until your broker does his work. So that's one, some of the frustrations that we come across. But overall, we've had uh, – it's been a great year. Our year-end is uh, – actually, tomorrow is our year-end, June 30th. And it's been a really good year. Uh, all the hard work that our team has done is – paid off we've uh, we've done a lot of right things uh, we've had some painful things too we've had to uh you know in the last year we've had to shut down our alberta office which hurts but we kept some of the trucks and drivers which was a bonus they're, they're good people so it's uh it's been altogether it's been a great year and things up in canada it we're not setting the world on fire up here our economy is um it's tough there's uh there's a lack of outbound freight in Canada in general because the cost of manufacturing is so high, and we've spoken about that before. And I, you know, I talked to some of my American friends and associates down there. You, you know, I'm always amazed at the wonderful playground you people have there to work with within because you can move all over your country, and we're so restricted as compared to how you people operate. It's it's as different as night and day. Well, some of the stuff that you touched on, Chuck, you actually, I'm like, man, has Chuck been in my brain or something? He's reading my mail or something because I, I wanted to kind of <laughs> touch on a few of these different uh, topics. And, and for those that don't know, I know that sometimes we may be gaining uh, new listeners, and, uh, and we definitely appreciate that. And, and for all the listeners that we do have, if you don't mind, do us a real big favor. Share the podcast. We want to try to grow this thing, and we want to try to get better, and we want to try to bring better content and better information. So share the podcast. Let us know what it is that we can help you with, some things that, that you're struggling with in your business so we can try to help you grow. Um, give us some different tips, uh, different tactics, that, uh, some things that you would like to know more about so we can start the process of researching it to, to try to bring that information to you. This is the platform to try to help. Uh, we want to try to help make the industry a better place. And to do that, we, we need feedback and uh, and, and information from you guys that are out there on the pavement doing this thing day in and day out. Chris, I see your question. We're coming to you in just a second. Um, so I just wanted to share that little tidbit. And for that, I wanted to talk about Chuck real quick for people that are new that are coming in that may, may be their first, second time, may not have even heard Chuck before. Uh, Chuck brings a unique perspective to our show, and that's why we call him our resident mentor. 
he can kind of speak to a lot of things from both the brokering aspect and the asset base carrier aspect because he has both. He has a small fleet, Traffics. He, he is the CEO and owner of Traffics out of Canada. Uh, they, Like I said, it's, small, it's a fleet of trucks. He has an asset base fleet of trucks, and he also has the oldest, Traffics is the oldest brokerage in Canada. Uh, but he also, uh, by being a broker, he's also brokering here, freight here in the United States. I, like I said before, I, I've actually pulled a couple of loads from Chuck. He didn't actually even know about it at the time, but we pulled some stuff from Chuck. Uh, got a really great rate out of out of the guys up there, and they were a pleasure to do business with. Um, so, Chuck, did I miss anything? That it, uh, yeah, I'm I think kind, you, kind I of giving a little you said it version of your bio there. Well, thank you, and you know. You're you're right. People do need to ask better questions. You know, Rico and I can help anybody and everybody out there. If you come to us with your questions, there's no question that's too silly. Um, you know, and it's usually things that you know you're going to make a mistake that you don't have to make if you ask somebody. And we can, you know, between Rico and myself and the resources we have, we can usually prevent you from making that costly error. And I can tell you there's not enough money in this game to make a lot of mistakes anymore. Numbers are fine. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're very, very fine-pointed, and you need to know your game. You need to know your numbers, and you need to know your business. And I find that's probably the biggest challenge that I have in what I do is dealing with carriers, especially new carriers that and old ones alike, that – obviously don't know their numbers because I see people making mistakes and I, I get the pleasure sometimes of having somebody ask me and I get to prevent them from making the mistake. And that's a win-win. I had a former owner operator come in last week to talk to me because he had this great business uh, idea. And I said to him, well, you know, first of all, I asked him if he listened to any of these podcasts and I asked him if he listened to the satellite radio and he didn't. And I gave him shit. And I said, you know, before you do anything, why don't you go spend 100 bucks and put a satellite radio in your truck and start listening to, you know, to Road Dog and start listening to Kevin's show and some of the other shows and start educating yourself. That's number one. And I said, number two, you need a proper business plan because what he was going to do was go out and buy two $170,000, and that's Canadian funds. They were just over $170,000 for two tractors, and he was going to buy two used reefers, and he was going to start running California, which is, you know, in your country, that's not impossible. It, from my country, it's very easy to get loads out of California. The challenge is getting to California, and that's what I said to him. Um, you know, we went into this large discussion, uh, and he walked out of my boardroom with a totally different perspective. And I preached to him what you and I preach on this show. Don't go for the low-hanging fruit. Go and do something that's different. Do something that's hard. You know, instead of a $170,000 truck, go buy a thirty dollars or $40,000 or $50,000 truck. And, you know, if you're going to put a driver in it and go to places nobody else wants to go, do things nobody else wants to do. Pay your drivers more. And you don't have to worry about trying to get loads to California. And I think he's going to do that. And I think those are the sorts of things that are going to differentiate the winners from the losers in the future. 
because don't try to do what everybody else is doing and they're failing at it. And there's a, again, right. there's a huge difference between our country and your country and the fact that, you know, if you're in Atlanta, you can usually get a load somewhere within a 200-mile radius to get you to California. Uh, you don't have that luxury up here in Canada. So a lot Absolutely. of times guys are running for 80 cents a mile Canadian, which is about 60, wow. 65 cents a mile U.S. to get to California. Well, you have to have one hell of a good-paying payload coming back in order to augment that, that cost. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and with no further ado, uh, we got a call that's got a question. Chris has a question for us, Chuck. So let's see if we can get Chris up and on board with us. And if you have a question, you can go ahead and press the number one that puts you in the queue, and we'll come to you and try to get your question as well. So, Chris, now's your chance. You got a, you're up on live with uh, Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Rico. Thank you, Chris. Hello? Okay. Yes, sir. Um, we're here. Yeah, this is a little maybe off topic, but I'm a, I'm a relatively new carrier, and, uh, you know, typically when I say I'm going to do something, I, I always do it. Not typically. I, it's something I always do. And I booked a load. I called on a load um, coming back from Nebraska back to the Midwest, and the rate was lower than I could accept, and I told the broker I thought we were too far apart, and thanks anyway. And she asked me, well, what do you need? And I told her my price was about 33% higher uh, than what she wanted to offer. And she said, well, let me see if I can do that, and I'll call you back. And about 20 minutes later, she called me back and said, okay, the customer approved it, and we'll send the rate confirmation over, and you're good to go. So they sent me a rate confirmation, but it all it had was the pickup city and the delivery city and the time. Um, I signed it. I sent it back. And then I said, I said, what about the details for the load? And she said, well, we can't dispatch you until your truck is empty. And I said, well, you know, I, I hate to sit, I hate to wait for a day and a half, two days, you know, while kind of the uncertainty here, you know, what happens if the load cancels? Are you going to say, you know, you weren't dispatched, so there's no truck order not used, or are they going to shop me in the meantime? I don't, I I really don't want to get stuck out in Nebraska over the 4th of July, but I'm kind of thinking if I wait until the last minute anyway, I might find a better rate. I just don't know. Is it is it advisable to keep looking, or should I just kind of wait and see how it plays out? You know, you're Chris, i got to tell you, you're screwed either way because the broker can always <laughs> say to you, I'm sorry, we don't have the load, and you have held out, and now you have nothing to – to get back to reposition yourself. Right. And, okay. you know, and that could happen easily. Um, I don't like the sound of any of this. Now, I certainly understand where yeah. the broker's coming from because there's always that chance of you uh, not getting empty, something happening, and then there. But they should. If they're a reputable broker, have you dealt with them before or not? Um, that was the, probably the my question. T, the, the broker's TQL, and this is probably like my fifth or sixth load I've ever done for them. Usually their rates Uh-oh. aren't where I need them to be, but I've, I've heard this about these guys, so that's why I'm even more concerned. Well, um, unfortunately, 
I'll speak to a little bit of it, Chuck. I'll, I'll <laughs> Unfortunately, with TQL, you you definitely um, you know you definitely have to approach it with real caution because unfortunately, TQL have very few, not all of them. I don't want to paint all of, paint them with a broad a broad brush. But uh, the majority of people over at TQL are newer people, fresh out of college, and they're, they don't necessarily have the uh, – they're not in the relationship building business. I think that's probably the best politically correct way for me to say that. They're not really in the relationship building. It's, it's more of a one-of transactional, a true transactional broker. Now, only time I would advise you to do something like what you, what you kind of put yourself into a situation with is if you're dealing with a broker that has a ref, that, that you have a, an established relationship with, and even if something was to fall through on the low, that they still would try to move uh, heaven and earth to make sure that they did something to put something on your truck so that you're not in a, in a, in a precarious situation if you're depending on that low to get back to where you need to get back to or to do something else. Um, anything that I missed, Chuck, while... Yeah, you know what, you're right. You want to add to that? Chris, you know what I would do maybe if if you're going in the middle of uh, what I refer to as nosebleed Nebraska in the middle of, you know, way the hell in the middle of the state, so you're not going to have enough time to get yourself into, no offense to anybody from Nebraska because I love your state, uh, but uh, you're not going to have the time to get back into civilization like Omaha or something where you're going to get a load. Um, What I may do is make a couple more phone calls to the same broker to just make sure, hey, you're holding that load for me, right? Because I'm I'm depending on you. The load's still there, right, George, or whatever her or his name is. And given the Fourth of July weekend, given the fact that you're um, you're probably going in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, are you running a dry van or a reefer? I'm I'm doing a dry van, but I am actually delivering pretty close to Omaha. Well, if you're delivering close to Omaha, you're not in a bad freight area. There are loads coming out of that area. You know, you're only, what, 130 miles from Kansas City. Where are you trying to reposition yourself back to, Chris? Well, I was actually just trying to get home uh, northwest Indiana for the, uh, you know, for the holiday. I, I picked up a load going to Columbus, Ohio, but uh, delivers on Tuesday. But I can, you know, I'll be home on Friday if it all works out. Oh, okay. Well, um, is that where TQL's load's taking you to? Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, it's Columbus. Well, that's that's great for you. Get you home and then get you into Columbus for Tuesday. Um, I would, given the holiday and everything, um, I would just call them again or call them a couple times. Are you unloading early? When are you unloading? Tomorrow morning? Um, yeah, I've got two stops tomorrow. One first thing in the morning in Kansas and then straight up to Omaha after that. Uh, and Omaha what time do you, do you expect to be empty in Omaha? Uh, around one or two o'clock. You're playing with fire, kid, and I understand the broker. Maybe sooner. Well, you you really want to because you're you're playing with fire because you know I know these these shippers they want to get out of there as early as possible, and some of the bosses get generous because it's going to be a long weekend. And uh, right, well, you, you know it's it, you're in a real rough shape, so. Hopefully there's a second shift or something at this plant, and they're not yeah, going to well, go I home told, right at I three told, o'clock or something. I told her from the you know from the start that 
conservatively, you know, count on me being there by 3.30. They said it's first come, first serve, 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Oh, you're okay. Um, yeah. Oh, you're you're fine. So what I, I would just, do... I'm just, more, I'm just more worried about the fact that, you know, they came up 33%, and I'm afraid that they're going to spend, you know, the time shopping me, see if they can't find something better. And if, if I, I can't I, just push a little I, I harder... Worry. No, I, I wouldn't worry a that. whole lot about that because one of the things that one of the things that I think I could be wrong, but one of the things that I think that you do have in your favor is that it is going into a weekend, and you may be the only person in that area that is even willing to go in that direction. You may have that in your favor, so you may be the only truck that they could find, and especially if they were willing to come up by that much of a uh, by by that much in the rate. And because it's going into that holiday weekend, that's something that we, that we talked about earlier on the uh, doing the uh, the DAT uh, uh, trend line report. Going into this holiday weekend, rates are going to go up, and, and and shippers understand that, brokers understand that. Uh, unfortunately, some of the carriers don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, you know what? For those of us that play the spot market rate, you know. The whole spot spot market game. You you uh, plays the game. You take your chances, as they used to say, and you win and you lose. Overall, I think everybody wins from it. And um, if you've got the, one of the few trucks in Omaha uh, that's willing to go into Columbus, Ohio, then you're the winner. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Fair enough. Right. And I don't think they're gonna. But just, but just uh, you said that you were you said that you were a newer carrier, and one thing that I try to you know I try to give a little bit of inspiration out there, you know, never take never take a situation as a, as a lose or you know what I'm saying. It's either you win or you learn. You don't necessarily lose. So it's, it's something that you that, uh, an experience that you can grow from, that you can learn from, and say, okay, I can do this differently next time around. So you know, kind of look at it with that aspect. If if and, and hopefully. Uh, you know, we're gonna keep our fingers crossed for you, and hopefully everything goes off without a hitch, and you get your load, and everything works out smooth. Uh, like I said, TQL, they are trying. I've heard them making efforts to try to get better, and we some of the people out that they were having problems with. I haven't done a whole lot of work with TQL over the past year. I've done some stuff, but not a whole lot. Um, so that's one of the things that you know. Um, um, hopefully, uh, you know, some of the reports and things that I've been hearing that they've been getting a little bit better, but, you know, you still have your people that are going to kind of throw TQL under the bus because they are one of the larger 3PL companies out there. And when you're that big, sometimes you don't have to have the, um, you don't have to have, you don't have to be the most, uh, most respectable or the most, uh, you know, the, you well, kind of want a rough shot over the small guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, you know, I've only dealt with them a few times with our fleet. Uh, the one thing I can say is they paid their bills, uh, which is a hell of a lot more than the guys you talked right. about at the beginning of the show that didn't pay their bills. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Chris, I'll put you on hold for a second because we had a lot of background noise going there, but is there anything else you want to ask before we get up out of here? Um. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I guess I was just my – my question is, if I called her in the morning and kind of pushed her a little bit for that Raycon or that, you know, the driver information sheet, uh, and if she didn't send it to me, I mean, am I am I fair enough to say, hey, I'm kind of concerned that, you know, you might, that this might not go and I'll be sitting here 
uh, in the middle of nowhere. I got to get myself covered home and start at least like looking for a backup or. Well, you or know what? I would just, just ask her. Listen, is this load a hundred percent? I need you just to be honest with me. Okay. Just. Um, are we yeah, like I are mean, we cool I, I, on I, this? And if she says yes, then you got to take her for her word. You know, we're still in a business of okay. trust, Chris. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I, like I say, in eight months, I'm, this is like my fifth load, and I've heard a lot of horror stories. And um, like I say, their rates usually aren't there, so that's why I haven't really hauled with them. So, but I appreciate your uh, your time and and your information, and I'll let you get get on with the show and help somebody else. But thank you so much. Well, thank you. And you know what? Let it, give us a, a call one day and let us know how you made out with this. I'd be curious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if they do yeah, the right well, thing, I'd definitely like to. To say something good about them, because yeah, if this comes like you through, said, you know what? Uh, they, I guess, because they're big and they're fairly new, uh, they've taken a lot of hits. And if they, if they dig what they said they're going to do, then I think you owe it to them, and I think this show owes it to them, to to have you call in and say, you know what? That thing loaded at, uh, you know, at six o'clock or eight o'clock on Friday night, and I was home for the weekend, deliver Tuesday, and everything went the way it should. I think that's the the right thing to do. Absolutely. Well, maybe you'll hear from me next Monday and uh, or Tuesday, and have a good Fourth of July in the meantime. Okay. Thanks to you. Same to you, man. And uh, be careful out there. All right. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Appreciate appreciate the call, Chris. Appreciate you put you back on hold there. And uh, we got another call that's got a question. We're going to be coming to you in just a second, there, Luke. If you have a question, you can press the number one. Chuck, I had a series of questions that I wanted to ask you myself, um, some different things that I had kind of written down in, in preparation for the show. But uh, one of, don't, don't want to take away from the callers because we definitely love the interaction and we love the caller participation. So we're going to go and bring Luke up on board with us. Luke, you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, Rico and Chuck. Thanks for taking my call here. Hey, uh, thanks. Uh oh, I can't hear that. Uh, can, can, can you speak up? Can you speak it? Adjust your microphone, Luke. We can barely hear you. I've been home for a carrier. We run our own authority. Uh oh. I'm gonna have to put them on hold for just a second. Luke, um, hopefully, maybe you can hear us. Maybe you can hear us. Maybe you can adjust your microphone a little bit there, Luke. Because we can barely hear you. We, I mean, it's really coming through really thin. Let's see if we if we can fix that connection. Nope. No, this is painful. No, can't 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 hear a thing. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to see if we can. Uh, let's see if we can get Luke to. Uh, See if we can fix that connection. See if we can put them. We'll put them back on hold here for just a second. Um, okay. Well, I guess that'll give us an opportunity. We'll see if we can get uh, get that connection fixed with Luke, and that okay. gives me an opportunity to kind of go into some of these questions that I have for you, uh, Chuck. Some, you kind of went into a little bit of it earlier, but as a small business, and most of the guys that we have here are small businesses. Either have a, a, a very small fleet. Or one one man army uh, looking to grow their business. How important is uh, you know to successfully grow your business? 
how important is a, a skill like delegation? And then how, how do you kind of master that skill or learn when to, um, when you should start delegating different matters when it comes to your business? You, well, you delegate the delegate the things that you're not good at, and delegate the things that aren't important. Um, those are the two things you start with delegating. Um, you know, there's a there's an expression majoring in minor things, and humans have this uncanny ability to concentrate on the things that they like doing and that they're good at, not necessarily the things that are going to make them successful. So you'll have somebody that has got, you know, they got a great set of hands on them. They're a great mechanic, and they're always, always, always working on their truck. And they're, they're working on the truck when the truck doesn't even need to be worked on. But all they're doing is they're, they're practicing their mechanical skills how is that going to build their trucking business when they should be out contacting potential customers, even contacting potential brokers, but they're not. And they're, that's a prime example of, they, you know, if your truck is broken and you're not a great mechanic, you should probably give it over to a service shop, let them do it, pay them their 100 bucks an hour, but you take that hour and you make some phone calls, you make some connections, and that will pay for the mechanic you just paid a hundred dollars to. And those are the things and, and in the in the simplest form. That, that's how you delegate. You you want to delegate those things that aren't going to make you as much money. Do what you do best. Knocking the you're knocking the cover off the ball, Chuck. Because I tell you, you're going right. You, you're kind of setting these questions right up for me almost. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a detour. Um, also, I know that you, family man, did did you when you went into this business? Did you, did was your wife involved any at all with you? Kind of, I'm, I'm asking this question from the aspect of, like I said, you got small smaller guys and being in business with your spouse. Um, just trying to figure out is there any advice that you can give on that front? Because sometimes you know. Um, it, it can be a real balancing act. Oh, let so me tell you. My wife has been my <laughs> business partner for, you know, almost 40 years. And wow. we really, really, and I'll, I'll be very honest with you and all our listeners, it's much easier for us to leave home at home than it is to leave the office at the office. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll get home first. I, I know exactly. I know exactly what that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, at the we, my wife and I, we can have our uh, our disagreements at home, but when we come to the office, we're we're there. We're professionals. We're there to work. Whatever happened at home stays at home. Uh, if we have a blowout at the office, which hardly ever happens, um, but if she doesn't like something I've done. Or something somebody else has done. It could I could just be like not to have anything to do with this. When my wife gets home from the office, I'm going to hear about it, and I'm going to suffer the pain of what some other person has done uh, wrong during that day. 
And I guess sometimes I can be a little bit that way myself, where if I've had a rough day, you bring it home. And, and that's the hardest part. Um, but you have to remember, if you're, if you're in business with your spouse, he or she, that's your business partner, just not just your life partner. It's your business partner. You need to respect them. Uh, you need to listen. You know, and that's, I think a lot of us men have that issue. We're not good listeners. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, sorry, Rico. Everybody but you. <laughs> um, no, sir. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall into that one, but I, I know that, you know, that that's, but, but I, you're preaching to the choir. So uh, hopefully people are taking this, taking this under advisement and maybe we should have had this part recorded. I hate that this not being recorded, but uh, <laughs> maybe we don't want it recorded. <laughs> My wife will hear it and she'll say, when did you learn this? I've been telling you this for 38 years. <laughs> so, But it's really important. You know what? You, need, you just need to respect your business partner. And, and even though your business partner is your life partner, your wife, you still need to show them that respect in both areas as, as your wife and as your business partner. Good stuff. Now, like I said, we're we're really trying to dedicate this podcast to the and cater it to the listener. Uh, we want to try to help do things that can help grow their profits and grow them individually as 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 business owners. And how important you kind of talked about a little bit about it, but you know, this is what I was saying. You were kind of teeing up my questions for me. How important is it? Is strategy, you know, um, when it comes to managing and trying to grow a small business. Um, what does, you know, when you're looking at the strategy, I'm, I'm kind of going to the, 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 the stratosphere of what does the playing field look like? You know, uh, most people don't understand really the, 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 the arena that they're entering into. Is there any advice that you can give us to as far as, um, you know, because our industry, the transportation industry, we talked about the spot market, we talk about contract rates, so on and so forth. But when you're strategizing and our industry changes so quickly, um, how important is it for us to understand what the playing field looks like? There's always going to be, I think, one of the challenges that small carriers have is I think that they're always looking or we are always looking at the grass in the other field, and we're always seeing it as greener. So what happens is all of a sudden you know, you're, you're doing your, uh, the beginning of your show and you're talking about how much rates are uh, out of certain areas. So that's where people, small carriers, I think, and I've said this on the show, I've said it, at, uh, I said it in Council Bluffs, um, when I was lecturing and I said it in a lot of meetings, you really need to have a, a business plan and you need to have a lane. You can't be running roughshod wherever the freight takes you. Those days are not going to work in future. Um, equipment's getting too expensive. You can't, um, you just can't take the chance. You, if you want to be successful, you do have to have strategy. You have to have you have to have a lane. You have to have a business. You know, people go to McDonald's because they want a hamburger or whatever their favorite is. Maybe it's a 
a fillet of fish sandwich or chicken McNuggets or whatever. They go there for that reason. And that's why they go. They don't go to McDonald's because they want a shrimp cocktail. And they won't go to McDonald's if they didn't know what they were going to get. If one day it's shrimp cocktail and the next day it was pork chops and the next day it was chicken souvlaki, nobody would go there. People need a destination. People need to know who the go-to guy is for different things. We, we can't, there's nobody that's listening to this show other than maybe a few people that have really different equipment like, you know, um, specialized uh, RGNs or something like that that can pull this off. But as for the rest of us, whether they're hauling dry vans or reefers or regular steps or flats, um, the vast majority of the people listening need to have a lane. And that will, when you have a lane and you say, you know, I go from, I go from Charlotte to Miami or I go from Charlotte to Atlanta or wherever your lane well, is, Chuck, just do it. Well, Chuck, That's your strategy. Yes, Rick. Question. Really, really, really quick question. Because yep. um, a couple of people have asked me some questions about the, our theory on this dumbbell thing and, and stuff like that. And, um, and and so I kind of adjusted a little bit, and 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 I told I asked the person I said, well, if you're starting out, do you have any customers in your home based area? And and nine times out of ten, most of the people are going to tell me no. So I said, well, instead of thinking about a, a a dumbbell, how about we go in when we start our marketing process? Instead of you saying, well, this is my service area, let's try and find a customer in your backyard and and go to them. Kevin talks about this a good bit on his show. Go to them with the, with the, with the thing in mind of, hey, I'm here to solve a problem. What is the lane that is kicking your butt right now? Give me what's the worst lane that you got that you got going on. Let me try to help you find a solution for this terrible lane or, the, or wherever you're having problems at. And see if you can't build become a solution maker for that terrible lane. You don't have any customers, period, in your backyard right now. See if you can see what it is, what it is that you can do to win that customer and get that lane, and then whatever that lane, whatever the delivery point is on that end, try and cultivate that market for your, for your, for your market area so that you can have consistency on going back and forth in that particular lane to service your customer in your home base market, and and by default it puts you in an automatic service position for the market that you're going to. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it only works. It, it works. The theory works, uh, but you can get into big trouble. Um, the first problem I can see with it, trying to be the devil's advocate, is if if you're based in Charlotte and you go into mm-hmm. um, you know you go into a paper company, the Charlotte paper company, and you and you say to the person, listen, what's your worst lane? And he says, you know what? I have rules of paper. I need to get them into um, Redding, California. Nobody wants to do that. And you say, oh, I'll do your Redding, California. Well, you got to be real careful. Number one, now all of a sudden you're probably traveling uh, 2,600 miles or something. Maybe further, but some, I'm just going to say right. 2,600 miles. What are you going to do for a backhaul out of Redding, California? It's in the middle of nowhere. And so you have a one-way haul across the country. How are you going to build a business? 
because it means you're out for, you know, you're going to be out for a better part of 10 days anyways. It's just so hard to scale that. And if you're going to do that, be careful that you know your prices and where you're going. And I've and I got to warn everybody out there, um, you need to get paid for accordingly to where you're going to what the freight coming back is like. And also other expenses like tolls and congestion, things like that. You know, if somebody has a, a load for you going into places like uh, Rollins, Wyoming, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, even Denver, Colorado, those are tough, tough places to get backhauls from. You know, if somebody gives, wants me to haul to Denver, um, they've got to pay me to go 500 miles empty to go get a load back. And those are the mistakes you make at the beginning when you get into this. So if you're going to do it, just be careful that wherever you're going, you can get back from. Because there's no well, sense. And, and I think that well, the reason I brought that up and the reason I was saying it from that standpoint, I understand exactly where you're coming from. You definitely don't want to be doing a cross-country trek if that's their, if that's their problem uh, area. But for the most part, I think that most of the people that we're, especially for our audience, I think that um, we're going to be talking to smaller shippers, not necessarily, we're not going to be not necessarily knocking on the doors of Fortune 500 companies. And I think that um, a good bit of your smaller shippers are going to be shipping on a more regional basis than cross-country. I understand that there may be, they may have some clientele uh across the country, but for the most part, a lot of their stuff is going to be more regional uh, based on, you know, based on from my, from my experiences. And that's why I was saying, you know, instead, instead of, you know, trying to target a area, if you don't have any, any customers anywhere, let's try to get somebody start out where you are, start where you live and, and, and get a customer right there in your backyard initially. And then you can try to set something up to begin to, grow with your company um and just to throw some ideas out there um well i don't i don't know maybe i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself on that on that on that front i, I think it's a great idea rico um i think it works as long as you're disciplined and you and the tools are out there today to find out so if somebody says to you and if you're you happen to be in um in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you make one of those sales calls and the customer says, well, you know what, I'm having a real tough time moving my loads into Philadelphia. Well, you know that you're going into a congested area. You know the tolls are bad. Um, you know that the loads out of there aren't great paying. So go in there with your eyes wide open. Say, yeah, I can help you with those. And that would be a great opportunity for somebody because there's lots of people out there that don't want to go to Philadelphia and you'll get paid real well for it. And keep in mind that the load out of Philadelphia is probably going to pay you a buck a mile, but build that into your rate and there's your business. Right. And that's where you can start a strategy. And back to the point on strategies, uh, as a smaller carrier, what are some things that, uh, that you may know of or heard of that may be coming that that is going to affect all of the industry. What what are some of the things that we may not necessarily, 
you know, trying to get people to start thinking out, outside of the box, especially uh, one of the things that when I talked to you earlier this week, it was something that I, I told you I had stuff written down. Uh, one of the things that I kind of, um, that I'm, I'm seriously concerned about, um, I'm seriously concerned about this whole autonomous trucking situation. Um, I think that I, I, I kind of, from a lot of stuff that I've been reading, I think that it's a hell of a lot closer than what a lot of people believe it is. I think, you know, um, worst case scenario, um, we may be about 15 years out, uh, um, you know, uh, best case scenario, maybe 20, but I think somewhere between that 10 to 50, between that 15 and 20 year mark, I think we're going to start seeing those babies rolling out. And, and, and that's kind of really got me a, a little bit concerned as far as if you're trying, if you're, if you're using this uh, transportation industry as, as your lifeblood and your livelihood, what's kind of going to be the next move is if I'm trying to grow my company and my business, how do I offset that whole coming wave of the autonomous trucks? Well, first of all, there, there's going to be autonomous trucks. That's as, as sure as there's going to be winter in January, they are coming. Now, you, it may be five years away, and, and we may see it in five years on Interstate 80 between, let's say, uh, Iowa and Wyoming or, you know, or Salt Lake City or something. Uh, and we probably will because the technology is coming our way. I can't imagine in a million years autonomous trucks doing three and four deliveries in uh, in major cities or even, you know, in the uh, industrial heartlands of those cities. It's just I can't see it. I, I would be shocked. I think on a line haul basis, yes. Um, and I think that you know, and I've preached, you know, on this show a hundred times, you know, the, the long haul, line haul business, I think our days are numbered anyways, um, just because of how things are, you know, with the rail and everything else, uh, the rail's getting better at doing a lot of things. And I think money is cheap, and I think you're going to see people holding inventory again. Um, I have never been a believer in just in time, although I've made a lot of money uh, at it. Um, I think the concept works very well in Japan. I do not think it works very well in North America. And I've seen executives waste probably billions of dollars trying to make something work that doesn't work. Um, So I think all of a sudden you'll probably start seeing uh, inventory uh, levels go up a little bit where they will be able to use the rail. And none of us can really compete with the rail. We need to learn to work with the rail. And I think even with these autonomous trucks, those trucks are going to serve line haul. They're still going to need our trucks and our capabilities to deliver those trailers to wherever they're going. Those trucks will be on the interstates, but there's no way they're going to be wheeling uh, through the industrial heartlands of any of our cities. I just cannot imagine it. So and, and I, I think that's future, think, I, I wanted to try to have, I wanted to try to have people, you know, uh, especially us smaller guys and people that are. I want us to kind of adjust our our thinking along the lines of really on a business mindset, and and always kind of not necessarily waiting on the shoe to drop, but just be thinking 
more strategically in our thought patterns when it comes to our businesses. Um, because, you know, perfect example, prime example would be, uh, you know, did Hertz Enterprise or, or, or any of the rental car companies, you know, did they anticipate and see the effect that Uber is having on their business? Um, did they, you know, is that something that they, you know, seen coming down the, coming down the turnpike? And that's something that, you know, uh, as a, as a business owner, you have to, it's your responsibility to always be thinking and looking to see what's the next thing, what's coming over the horizon. And, and that's, that's right. kind of where I was going with my line of questioning with that. You're right. Um, You're right on the money. And Uber, I can tell you, their their vision is that neither you or me or any of our listeners out there are going to own a car. And what's going to happen is wherever you're going, an Uber car will come, pick you up, and take you there. And when that you know, and when you get out of the car, the next person gets in it. And it makes a lot of sense for cars, um, especially in metropolitan areas. I don't know what we would do. I live out in the country, so I don't know if Uber's going to come and pick me up at my farm lingway. Um, <laughs> however, with big trucks, if we're going to buck a trend, it's either going to be to work with the carriers that are going to uh, have the, uh, the driverless trucks, and deliver those loads for them, and pick up those loads, and take them to, uh, you know, take them to um, yards that are off the interstate. It, in the same way that many years ago there was always a war between the truckers and the rail, and then they figured out how to work together, and now you have companies like Schneider and Hunt that do a heck of a lot more on the rail than they do on the road. They've embraced it. So is Swift. They, all these big carriers have. And we need to embrace it too. Change is not going to stop for Rico, Chuck, and all our friends. It, change is going to happen. Absolutely. So we need to figure out the things that these autonomous trucks cannot do. They're going to have a hell of a time doing LTL. And when I say LTL, I always talk Man. about LTL, but I'm talking about partial loads. I can't see them doing flatbed work. That's going to be now. They'll be able to do it all day long on a straight line haul, but how the heck is a driverless truck going to go to a construction site and unload uh, pieces of steel, of I beam, or right. machinery? Right. And one of the plant. things, speaking of about the about the rail, they those guys are having a conference coming up in Houston. I've seen it somewhere. Um, Man, I, I, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in that stuff, I'll see if I can't track down where they're going to be having that. I know it's going to be in the city of Houston, um, but I'll see if I can uh, post that up. Rico, I actually attended that day. one two years ago. Um, we were doing, at the time, we were doing some work with a client that, um, that was using intermodal, and I got interested in it, and we were participating um, in an intermodal move. And I went down there, and the the seminars were fascinating. And, you know, if you want to learn stuff, that's where you go. And you can also meet people. And this is a great – this dovetails into something. This is a great opportunity for all the smaller carriers to meet people where you could do business with them because you've got all right. these rail people and rail agents and people like that that need guys like our listeners – 
that can pick up a um, you know pick up a container at the docks in Mobile and take it 200 miles away, or at the docks in Savannah, Absolutely. or the docks in uh, wherever um, in Philadelphia, and and move it up the road two or three hundred miles. That's not going by rail, and that's where the opportunity is. There's nothing sexy about it, um, but it pays okay, and you're going to get paid. Right, and that's one of the things, you know, that's why when I talk about these different conferences and things that, that I, I try to mention, I try to make people aware of, it's not because um, it gives you an opportunity to actually, like you said, you get a chance to go meet your customer. You get out of the blind spot. You know, we're truckers. We're always talking, you know, when we're driving the truck and everything, we're talking about a blind spot and everything. But if you're not putting yourself in front of and positioning yourself to be seen by your by your potential customers, then you're always going to be in the, in, in the blind spot and you're, not, and you're never going to be able to gain any type of uh, um, uh, garner any kind of support or business with those people because they don't even know you exist. Um, right. You know, do you? We was talking about strategy. Do you even have? Or is is your company even listed in the yellow pages under your company name? Uh, you know, those just just minor things like that. Do you have a website? You know, website if you're, if you're is in really, the business. Yeah. Um, if if you're starting out and you're going to invest money, invest it in a half decent website, and. Make sure it doesn't look canned. Uh, when I look at somebody's website and I see pictures of European cabovers, I go, like, didn't you care enough to even take a picture of your own truck or even a truck that looks like yours? Why, why is there pictures, some, whether it's a broker or a carrier, and he's got these European cabovers that are single axle with a triaxle uh, trailer on the back that's usually a reefer with curtain sides on it, because that's the sort of stuff they run over there. Um, and you know right away it's something fishy. Uh, go by, you know, there's all sorts of talent around. Um, talent is cheap for web designing. You, there's all sorts of schools and young people that are so capable, and they just want a chance. And give them that chance and put a video on it. You know, take, and everybody out there, take a look at mine. We're going to have to change it eventually. It's fairly new, www.traffics.com. And just take a look at what we did. It's not that expensive, and it drives traffic. We get business well, Chuck, out I, of I didn't even, I'm, We get carried away sometimes, and I hadn't even looked at the clock. We're actually over the hour, so it, <laughs> oh, boy. is there anything in wrapping up? We don't, we, don't, we, don't have any, we don't have any questions in the queue. So, uh, well, wait a minute. Yes, we do. I almost missed somebody. Uh, Mark, we'll get you in in just a second, but is it, before we get ready to close out, Chuck, is there anything that you want to say? Uh, how can people get in contact with you? Um, anything you want to say closing out, and then we'll get to Mark's question. Okay, uh, closing out, I want to thank everybody for for supporting our, our show, and I want to thank the industry for giving me a, a great run. This has been fantastic, and I want everybody out there to be safe. It's July 4th weekend. There's an awful lot of idiots on the road, uh, most of them driving four-wheelers, and uh, they don't know what they're doing, so just remember that. And uh, if you need to get in touch with me, I will answer all questions. Uh, you can email me at chuck at traffics, that's T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com, or you can call me 
at 800-388-4352. My extension is 203. You need to punch that in, or you may go through voicemail hell, unfortunately, but we get thousands of calls a day, so we need, we'd have to have probably 50 receptionists. So we do have extensions, and mine is 203. If you call me or you email me, I promise I'll get back to you. I get back to everybody. And that's about it, Rico, and wrapping up. Uh, this has been a great right. hour. It's flown by. Well, we got one more to, before we close out. Let's grab Mark real quick. Mark, you up live and on board with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, John, I'm going to keep it real quick then. Uh, let's think about new things. And this is a topic for another show. Uh, alternative fuels like compressed natural gas, LNG. And that new one is coming out by, uh, I think it's uh, Nikola Tesla. I'm not yep. mistaken, the all-electric one. Mm-hmm. Actually, some other big changes coming down the pike there, too. Well, until freight rates go okay. up, I don't see how anybody's going to afford that stuff, but that is good for another show. Okay. All right, I'll, uh, I'll keep it in mind, and I'll uh, tune in again next time. Thanks for calling. All right, we appreciate the call, Mark. Yeah, that's and that's one thing that we have a um, – Litany of shows here on the audio road. We have, of course, uh, Kevin Rutherford, and that's kind of more of his scope and area. Kevin Rutherford deals with all things to uh, mechanical and also things that are going to help you save money on save money to reduce your cost and everything like that. We have Kenny Long's show, uh, Trucking with Authority, that talks about getting your authority and how to run your running your your your, um, your carry and everything. Here on Rates and Lanes, we kind of, we try to stick primarily, we deal with the Rates and Lanes, but we try to stick more along the lines of business. Uh, and like I said, Kevin kind of covers the gamut on most of it. But we here, we try to do things and talk about things that are going to try to help increase your bottom line, increase your profit. Uh, we're not so much um, into the, um, that's not our, our area of expertise. So we kind of leave that for those those people that that's what they do, and we talk about the things that, that we're more familiar with and the things that we are more comfortable with. So, yeah, that's definitely a, a Kevin Rutherford-type question right there. And also, I, I mentioned Kevin Rutherford in Kenny's podcast, but we also have Kim that has his uh, podcast, Destination Health, and as well as Mike Beckett's show that comes on Sunday evenings, Rolling Toe, that's everything, the dealing with tires and alignment issues that you may have with your truck. Um and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everyone for taking time out of their busy schedule for uh, coming on and listening and participating here with us. I want to thank uh, our special and esteemed guest and our, our resident mentor, Chuck Snow, for taking time out of his busy schedule for coming on and being with us. And I, I never, I, I, I don't say, I, I shouldn't say I never do it, but I, ha- I don't do it nowhere near enough. I want to thank uh, my lovely daughter for taking time out of her schedule and participating, doing our call screen for us. Miss Fatina back home in Atlanta, Georgia, she's our call screener. Appreciate her uh, doing a wonderful job as usual. And Kevin and Lisa Rutherford, the entire Less Truck team that helps make this podcast, brings this podcast to you and makes this show possible. I want to thank all of them for all of their efforts and participation. This has been the Race and Lanes podcast with Rico Muhammad. We're signing off live out of Jacksonville, Florida. Chuck, we appreciate you again, my friend. We'll talk with you later. Good night, everybody. Be safe out there over the holiday weekend and keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. Take it easy. 
Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.